0: It's undeniable that today the opposition is weak, uh, despite the fact that there is an overwhelming anti-system and anti-government sentiment, we are yet not able to capitalize this into uh, really uh, building political leverage and, uh, and, and, and fighting the upcoming political battles in an efficient way.
1: This is Instant Coffee, a new podcast brought to you by the LSE Middle East Centre and produced by me, Nadine Al-Manasfi. And me, Ribal Sleiman Haider. On this episode, Amar al-Ghazi talks to Jean Assir about reporting the Lebanese revolution. Amar is assistant professor in the media department at LSE. Jean is co-founder and managing editor of Megaphone News. Megaphone is a Beirut-based independent online media platform which promotes critical thinking, transparency and accountability. Over to you, Omar. Hey, Hi, everyone. I'm very excited today to, um, to speak to Jean Assir the co-founder of, um, of Megaphone. Jean, let's immediately um, have you talk to us about Megaphone. Um, so could you tell us what was the inspiration behind Megaphone? When and how did it get started?
0: Yeah, so basically we started the project in 2017 and it was in the continuity of the 2015 uh, popular uprising that was triggered by the garbage crisis in Beirut. And that basically was a sort of a culmination of the anti-establishment sentiment that has been building up since 2011 and then 2013-2014 with the extension of the parliament mandate. So back then uh, it was becoming more and more uh, obvious that there is a big, uh, a sizable uh, chunk of the population that was really fed up with uh, with the current establishment. And uh, at the same time, uh, the opposition groups were starting to to get more institutionalized and getting prepared for the upcoming uh, elections. Uh, All of us uh, knew each other from university, from uh, student activism, uh, the secular club, and we've also been through the different uh, kind of milestones of this movement from 2011 till today. So we can say that, uh, I mean, we were political activists uh, before becoming journalists. And the drive to sort of switch hats and start doing uh, media was mainly driven by by, by two main gaps. The first has to do, uh, in our opinion back then, with the fact that uh, the entire discourse and and narratives uh, of the anti-establishment movement uh, needed to be more articulated and needed to be also uh, more heard. Uh, And for us, there wasn't any media platform that was doing this. Uh, even the alternative media platforms that we used to follow had uh, maybe smaller following or were sometimes a bit elitist. So for us, it was imperative to have a platform that could be extremely critical of the establishment, both at the political level and the economic level, but also uh, be an amplifier of the voice of, of the most marginalized. And here we mean refugees, the LGBT community, uh, women, migrant workers, and so on. So it was kind of bridging those two uh, the discourses on, on, under one umbrella. And uh, when it comes to the form, uh, it's also important to mention that uh, Lebanon took a lot of time to adapt to the digital age when it comes to journalism. So uh, unlike other uh, Arab countries, which had a very booming and vibrant uh, alternative uh, media landscape after the Arab uprisings, it took a bit more time for Lebanon to, to get there. Of course, the alternative platforms were many, but when it comes to traditional platforms, uh, they were not really adapting to the new tools uh, that, was, that were offered by, by, by the digital media. So that meant, in a sense, that a large chunk of the population, mostly young people, were becoming more and more disinterested by politics at large because they were no longer consuming uh, their news and accessing news through TVs or through radios or through uh, print. Uh, and there wasn't really an offering on social media that was crafted and adapted to the way they consume uh, news and basically the way they behave on, on those platforms so for us the fact that we were born on social media and not as a website is also a defining feature of the project in the sense that uh, we crafted the product and the formats to the platforms we were in which is Facebook and then Instagram and then uh, Twitter so we played the game till the end uh, we're not huge fans of those platforms that host us but uh, I mean our priority was to reach uh, to reach the largest audience and that's what how we did it, it, it.
1: Um, and, of course, within Lebanon and the Arab world, uh, the visibility of Megaphone was associated with the uh, with the protests and the revolution in 2019. So can you describe to us the way that you covered the
0: Lebanese protests? The protests were a big shift for us for many reasons. Uh, first, before the protests, our rationale was that we really needed to, to, to make politics interesting again for young people. Uh, not that it wasn't in the sense that They weren't aware that everything around them was political and was affecting their lives. But there was really a disinterest uh, from following the day-to-day politics because of the reason I I mentioned earlier that has to do with traditional media. Uh, So the type of journalism we kind of adopted before was more uh, what we can call slow journalism and explainer journalism. So we were very much interested in doing commentary and unpacking rather than following news on a day-to-day basis and having something to say that's extremely uh, reactive. So, uh, what happened with the uprising in 2019 is that we had to shift this logic altogether. Uh, Out of a sudden, there was a huge demand for more political content, for more analysis, more critiques. And at the same time, the old uh, way of doing it, which is mostly slow pieces, mostly explainer pieces, was no longer working. So, without really doing proper planning for it or having uh, large editorial meetings, it came naturally and we started covering on a day-to-day basis and we completely reshuffled our grid of outputs to actually uh, match uh, what was happening, I mean, the historical moment that was happening, uh, and we covered it in, in several pieces. Uh, we had a lot of underground presence, so we were very much interested in documenting uh, and also amplifying uh, some voices in the, in, the, in, in the uprising. We started in Beirut, and then very quickly, we tried to, to, to cover uh, the entire country, and particularly Tripoli, which was uh, the epicenter of the uprising, uh, as many uh, could argue. Uh, We also did a lot of work when it comes to countering the official narratives and the counter-revolutionary narratives that were coming out of the establishment, and this took several forms. Of course, we have the commentary video, the in-depth videos that we used to do on, let's say, uh, major events, but we also had a very specific format for that period, which was called Tafkik Khitab, or speech deconstruction. So we used to pick up a speech from, let's say, Prime Minister Hariri or Hassan Nasrallah or Jabran Basil or Aoun and really deconstructed it in like four minutes. And for us, it was a way to balance out, uh, in a sense, the lack of visibility of our own discourse on traditional media and to also uh, a bit... Uh, uh, kind of give people the bottom line and criticize that bottom line uh, in the speeches of of, of of officials, without really having to uh, to stay two hours uh, and and to give these people uh, uh, what they want, which is basically an unchallenged one-way conversation. So when you have leaders on TV, it's usually a flow of, of, of speech that's uninterrupted and journalists really can't uh, can't intervene. Uh, that's particularly true for Hassan Nasrallah and for also other leaders. So that was quite, uh, quite interesting and got a lot of, uh, of positive feedback and engagement. Uh, and finally, we did a lot of work when it comes to unpacking and covering the economic crisis. So the revolution happened at a time where the economic system was really collapsing and it was getting worse and it is still getting worse by the day. So access to simple and clear information was a must for most of the people. Uh, and that's also where we uh, started doing again our explainer pieces, but then focused much more on the, on the economic uh, news. Mm-hmm. So, that's a good segue
1: to ask you about the situation now in Lebanon and how has Megaphone's coverage adapted to the changing circumstances, particularly in relation to
0: the COVID 19 corona crisis? I mean, that, that was a huge challenge, to be honest. Uh, if we want to be fair, we cannot say that the protests started fading out because of Covid. Uh, this had happened before. But it's absolutely uh, fair to say that uh, the corona crisis really uh, kind of put everything on hold and, and, and paused everything. So for us, in terms of coverage, we had several challenges. The first was to uh, find a way to cover uh, this entire change in, uh, in the parameters of the game. Uh, and hence adopt uh, COVID as a lens rather than a story of its own. A lens that would shape all aspects of politics uh, uh, from from the most obvious ones, which is basically the measures being taken by the government uh, to uh, social issues and, and other stuff. So we also adapted the grid of outputs. We started having more reactive cards that follow the story related to COVID on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but editorially, we identified priorities which is we knew for sure that the government would, would use this state of emergency and would use this, uh, this, this uh, health crisis to actually be uh, highly opportunistic. Uh, so they would be using this time to pass specific laws that are highly unpopular or to enforce specific measures without uh, kind of popular resistance. And we, so we worked on a lot of topics that are tackling these, these issues. And particularly we can say that we worked on the idea of uh, the police state, uh, so in a sense the fact that this whole uh, Corona crisis in Lebanon was highly militarized and the police had a huge role in in, in dealing, in the army as well, in dealing with the crisis and, uh, and managing it on a day-to-day basis was also an opportunity for the establishment and the people in power to silence uh, opposition voices and to use this time of crisis to actually summon people for investigation, jail people, and crack down very violently on protests that erupted during that phase. Uh, what, uh, I mean as a very like, uh, very brief and uh, a summary of, of what's going on today. Economically, we're really heading to the unknown. Uh, We don't really know how things are going to unfold. All the scenarios will not prevent us from having a very deep social crisis. It's just a matter of of damage control at this stage. At the same time, the old practices, the corrupt practices are not stopping. On the contrary, we still have scandals of corruption that are uh, emerging by the day. Uh, And also what is quite unfortunate is that the popular uprising the, the the revolution is also in a crisis uh, in a crisis of structure in a crisis of uh, really imposing itself as a political alternative and uh, that's of course not uh, I mean no one's to blame. It's, it's it's unfortunate circumstances. It's the fact that maybe Lebanon didn't have the same structure of uh, of syndicates and and opposition parties as, as maybe other countries, and also the the fact that the situation is is, is really extremely complex. But uh, it's undeniable that today the opposition is weak. Uh, despite the fact that there is an overwhelming anti-system and anti-government sentiment, we are yet not able to capitalize this into uh, really uh, building political leverage and, uh, and, and and fighting the upcoming political battles in an efficient way. <requence>
1: There's a lot of sensitivity in the region, as you know, about foreign funding for, for media and NGOs and how it may affect editorial policies. Critics would say that, you know, even if there is no, no direct editorial uh, oversight, um, somehow funding may steer uh, editorial policy in a certain uh, direction that is more acceptable to Western funders. So can you tell us from Megaphone's um, experience how it has navigated this in, in terms of where
0: it gets its funding from? Yeah, sure. I mean, first, uh, let me start by saying that this concern is, is very fair. But at the same time, uh, there's a huge crisis when it comes to funding independent journalism worldwide. And that's not, on, not only a Global South issue, but that's, that's actually a global issue. Uh, for us, we started as a completely self-funded and volunteer based project so we were actually working for free and even paying the rent of the space where we used to work uh, and also other costs and then it was becoming unsustainable so like every other outlet we had the choice to either start uh, i mean putting uh, our content on paywall uh, behind the paywall and then asking readers to contribute and for us that wasn't an option because we were really uh, extremely pragmatic about that and wanted to reach uh, as many people as possible The other option was to apply for grants with all the conditions that are, I mean, obvious for us, which is zero interference in the editorial line, which is what we did. And so far, we didn't have any friction or tension when it comes to what we would say, uh, even the most radical stuff that we published or uh, actually said on Megaphone by our donors. Uh, Of course, it's undeniable that there is a tension, uh, like any form of uh, sponsored or uh, funded uh, initiative Uh, but i would say that that's the best compromise we can reach at the moment Uh, but we are also like all other independent outlets in the region and worldwide seeking uh, other sources of funding more sustainable for source of funding that are not tied to the international uh, development money uh, which are uh, revenue generation uh, outlets and opportunities basically uh, and I mean, there are several ways, several creative ways to, to, to raise funds, including also crowdfunding, including uh, helping, uh, getting help from the, the Lebanese diaspora through, through contributions and all of that. But, but really, I mean, to be fair, uh, this funding that we received uh, first was really uh, essential for our growth. We couldn't have grown otherwise that fast. And uh, in terms of trade-off, I, s- I don't think that there's any compromise that was ever made on an editorial line. On the contrary, I mean, there was actually a lot of empowerment when it comes to the donors that, that promoted this project. <laughs>
1: Sadly, as you say, a lot of, there's a lot of financial pressure on media outlets in, in Lebanon, and a lot of them have closed over the past few years. So does Megaphone have an ambition to become more mainstream or it sees itself within the model of an alternative source?
0: I mean, definitely mainstream in terms of the reach and the audience and the impact. Uh, that's definitely our ambition. And I personally think that uh, to be mainstream today and to reach the masses, quote unquote, you have to be on social media and uh, TV and uh, print is not more mainstream when it comes to the reach. Uh, If by mainstream we mean getting into the whole logic of the market and uh, and becoming sort of uh, like any other commercial outlet, I think that there are some... Principles when it comes to the vision of how we would like to go about this project that would prevent us from having the same sort of business model and, uh, than, than, than other outlets. But we're definitely aiming at becoming a mainstream platform very soon, and we're also finding, trying to find ways to make this project much more financially sustainable and uh, independent.
1: And have you uh, received any backlash over the work that you do? How would you describe the re- reception
0: beyond the educated um, elite? I mean, we receive backlash from all sorts of people, including the quote-unquote educated elite. So it's really, uh, I mean, it varies a lot. The main backlash is usually from political party supporters. Uh, that's usually when uh, when we issue a piece that they think is, is, is quite provocative for their parties. We get a lot of insults. Uh, we receive another sort of more violent uh, backlash, but that's on the street. And you know, when we do our job of, of reporters, when our team films on the ground, they often get uh, beaten or intimidated by the security forces. But even among the quote-unquote revolution crowd, uh, sometimes we do receive backlash on the pieces that we publish because we make it a, a point not to only to uh, provide and publish uh, crowd pleasers. So we have very often provocative pieces that steer debates. Sometimes even among our writers, we have writers fight. Uh, not fighting but actually uh, uh, publishing kind of opposing views so we are actually seeking this debate it's not something that is uh, that makes us uh, makes us unhappy Uh, if everybody was happy with what we would publish that would have actually been an issue and uh, to have uh, required a a really serious reconsideration of, of how we do our work (laughs)
1: Um, and Jean, some writers in lebanon particularly women report a a toxic social media environment that finds them sometimes refraining from writing out of fear of getting ridiculed or bullied on social media so while there is a lot of uh, solidarity obviously in the revolutionary times do you is it your experience that there's also this toxic uh, environment when it comes to writing
0: That's definitely true and uh, that's also one of the motives that pushed us to develop the opinion page the way we did. So usually the opinion page in the Arab world is dominated by very old uh, people and and male uh, in a sense. And also there is a very narrow definition of what is deemed political and what qualifies as a political opinion. Uh, What we did with our opinion page is that we really opened it uh, to women, to younger people, uh, to Lebanese, non-Lebanese, and to uh, people basically who usually don't have a platform on these, uh, on these pages. Uh, because precisely of what you said, because there's a lot of people who feel discouraged or are not even invited to share their, their opinion. And also the definition of the opinion piece was, was, was reshaped in a sense, and the definition of the political in itself was also broadened uh, to include also a uh, gender issue. Okay, and some of our listeners may be interested in um,
1: starting a, a platform like Megaphone or maybe pursuing a career in, in journalism in the
0: region. Do you have any words of advice to tell them? I mean, it feels very awkward because <laughs> I didn't study journalism and uh, most of the people in the team aren't necessarily uh, journalists by, uh, I mean by, this, by what they, they studied at, uh, at university. So uh, I don't know what could be the advice. For us, uh, there was a lot of uh, just throwing ourselves in the unknown Uh, and obviously there was a lot of passion in it uh, and there was a lot of luck. But I think what made Megaphone actually successful is the fact that the team was multidisciplinary. So we had at the same time people who were journalists with people who have been studying social sciences so they have a different lens on things uh, as well as people who are coming from a design and comms background, so I think this mix was actually super beneficial to create the type of uh, products that we that we create. So I think this is sort of the future of this profession and of media at large. So I would I would uh, definitely advise to to think beyond the classic box of of journalism defined in the very. A strict way and and really open up to other disciplines and and create these fusions that that are actually quite interesting.
1: Okay, great. Thank you very much, Jean, for your time. This was a great conversation.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to Instant Coffee, your quick fix of everything Middle East. Join us every Friday for a new episode of Instant Coffee, where we interview artists, activists, writers, journalists, and more from the region. To find out more about Megaphone news, follow the links in the podcast description. Also make sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay updated on our latest episodes. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time.